Come back when New Vegas opens. I give you all free rooms, free dinner, and free tickets to Celine Dion. Lose the Celine Dion tickets, and you got yourself a deal. All right, damn it. Done! Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through the movie reboots of one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about Into the Wild Green Yonder, part one. Now, Ben. Yes. I want to take us on a mind vacation. Uh, Okay. Imagine, in your mind, we're going to Vegas. All right. What are we going to do in Vegas, Ben? What do you want to do? If you, what would you want to do first? There's so many things. Well, okay. So, I have an actual answer to this. Excellent. Because I have never been to Vegas. Okay. And neither have I, for the record. And I'm really not much of a gambler. Okay. Because I feel like I'd be really bad at it. Sure. So, I always, I always made the joke that if I was ever, like, just driving through Vegas... Not like, you know, going there to like spend a bunch of time, but just driving through Vegas. Right. I would walk in. I would walk up to the roulette table. I'd put $50 on black. And then whether it wins or whether it loses, just either, you know, give up the money or get my winnings and then walk out of the casino. And that's it. That's it. That's my whole Vegas plan in a nutshell. $50 on black. There you go. Okay, I honestly, I expe- did, did not expect for me to have <laughs> a an answer or b that oddly specific of an answer. <laughs> exactly, you had it locked and loaded, my friend. I didn't. I mean, I this I, has been my Vegas plan for years. Let's just go to Vegas. I'll put fifty on black, and we'll see how I do. We'll fly in. You'll put fifty on black. I imagine they have roulette wheels at the airport. Oh, probably. It makes sense that they would. And then just fly back out. You, you all you need is like a two hour layover at most. To put to put fifty dollars on black, I need like an hour. Tops. Well, you probably have to come out of of uh, security to get to the tables. You go to the table, you do it, and then you have to go back through security. Okay. It's not really if it's not next to. The, I can't imagine it's right next to the gate, but it could be right next to the gate. So there's that. If we have anybody who flies through Vegas a lot, please tell us the layout so I can plan this Vegas airport layover vacation. I mean, heck, if like we do this, I'll just start routing through Vegas. <laughs> like, well, we got we got a, we have a wedding in Virginia to go to. Well, I'm going through Vegas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going to the the gates <laughs> the gateside roulette. You nailed it. Um, but yeah, so that's my Vegas plan. Is uh, fifty straight on black? Up, straight up, did not expect you to have that that much of a plan already. <laughs> I'm a I'm an intricate human being. I've got levels. Oh, I'm not saying you don't. I just I for whatever reason I didn't anticipate you having a Vegas plan. To be fair, how many people do you expect to be like? So if you went to Vegas, what would you do? And their answer is walk into a casino, put fifty on black, accept that as the one and only outcome, and then walk back out regardless of whether they won or lost Uh, of the people that i've ever come in contact with uh, a single person and that is you and that is now because i expect it now um please 
Please tweet at Back to Futurama with your probably better than my <laughs> Vegas plans. I mean, yours yours is definitely a plan, and it has a level of quality to it. It it has a very, it has like a short story feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people like to do novels, <laughs> so I imagine if you like, it just <laughs> I've just destroyed you with this I, Vegas plan. You, I mean, this bit is pretty disastrous. Yes. <laughs> Uh, mine would probably be uh, go have a nice dinner, you know, a couple nice dinners, go see some shows, maybe maybe a few, a little bit of slots, maybe a little bit of blackjack, and that's probably it. Okay, I, I'm more there for the food. It's really good food, from what I've heard. I've heard they eat more shrimp than anywhere else in the country. And I do love me some shrimp, although I do not know if I will be eating such shrimp in the desert. The desert is not particularly known for its shrimp, no. Oh, except for ex- oh, ex- of, except for desert shrimp. That sweet the de- desert delicacy. The delicacy that is desert shrimp with desert <laughs> cocktail sauce. If I'm going to go to the desert, I'm going to get some dates. I like those. Those are yeah, pretty those are tasty. Pretty yeah. Better than desert shrimp. <laughs> Unless those are desert shrimp. In oh. which case, I don't know what the cocktail sauce is and I'm moving on. <laughs> so... Congratulations, that was a more disastrous opening bit than usual. You gambled and lost. <laughs> I, I should have known when to hold them and known when to fold them. And folding them is most what <laughs> should I what I usually should do for these bits. As uh, you may have guessed, this episode has a lot to do with casinos. Because it's Into the Wild Green Yonder Part 1, where we... Well, we don't start out at a casino. We actually start out in the black dwarf system in the deepest space um waves of radiation are emitted and go past the violet dwarf system in slightly less deep space and they sort of irradiate these little um asteroids with this this green wave radiation and then it it forms all these little micro particles into like a dna helix Mm -hmm. which then transitions into a roller coaster on Mars Vegas. It's a very good um a very good transition. I like the visual of it. It was it was yeah. really good. That that kind of thing is part of why I I've always kind of wanted to make movies for those weird cool transitions. Um I would I did not go to school for that and I'd probably be bad at it if I tried now. But, you know, there's still in the back of my mind like oh, I could have been a pretty good director, I think. Okay, well, so we have a bunch of listeners. Okay. Crowdfunding is a thing. Give us a quick elevator pitch for your movie. Okay, I didn't have that much. Except. Okay. A man. Okay. And a woman. Okay. Are walking down the street. All right. When suddenly, they meet the one thing they never expected. And what would that be? A man-sized dog standing on his back <laughs> legs. And he walks up to them and says, hello, I am the change in your destiny. Smash cut. Credits. That's it. That's the movie. Okay. What is this film called? <laughs> Doggy Destiny. <laughs> it's bad. It's just all okay, bad. Okay. So, all right. I, we, we'll, get, we'll get a <laughs> Kickstarter going for Doggy Destiny. Yeah, yeah. I, I have an Indiegogo and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, see what, what everybody thinks about it. Mm-hmm. And we have stretch goals to expand the story if uh, if we make any money. So, uh, no, it is is a very good transition to <laughs> uh, Mars Vegas. 
which uh Ben, I'm not a writer, I'm a visual guy. We we get we get a whole intro with the Futurama theme that transitions into like a uh 60s lounge singer mm-hmm. kind of act. Uh, a lot of shots of various attractions in Mars Vegas, which is basically Las Vegas, Las Vegas, but Vegas Mars. on Mars. I almost said New Vegas because Fallout. Fallout. That's a very good game though. I've uh, also never played it. It's a very good game and you should try it. Can you put 50 on black? I think you can actually. I think you can do a decent amount of gambling. Okay. Well, then I'm in. You're going to walk into the first New Vegas casino you find, 50 on black, walk out. And then probably get shot or something. Well, that's that's the Fallout world, yes. Um, I think, and I, I did not verify this, but it really sounds like Seth MacFarlane singing the song. Ooh, maybe. Which could, which which literally caused a conversation between me and friend of the podcast, Emma, in the car. It's like, this is going to have some family guyization of Futurama discussion, which may not actually happen if this isn't actually well, Seth MacFarlane. Now I need to double check because um, I know he does... He like actually yeah, sings. He's got a really he's nice voice. Really good. Yeah, absolutely, man. So like my beef with Family Guy aside, what what dark deals do I have to make with entities from beyond time and space in order to get a voice like Seth MacFarlane? I mean, there are gonna be some real real deals, my man. Oh, sorry, everybody. We are in Ben Google's that corner. We're very obviously just crushing it this week. <laughs> we have gotten. To the intro, kind of. Oh yeah, Seth MacFarlane as the vocal for the opening theme. That was a good, uh, good catch. Thank you. Um, and he's pretty good at it. Like, I mean, he's got a really, really nice voice. He's got that kind of lounge singer feel. Oh yeah, no, so it's it's very good. It's it's a surprisingly uh, well done uh, version of Seth MacFarlane in this. It's mm-hmm. not like you're getting Peter Griffin or anything. You're just getting. Well, yeah, I mean that's the, that's the trick. Like it's got to be like Seth MacFarlane doing his like his own voice, right? Because like he, such a good voice. Oh sure, I mean you know, can you imagine this podcast if I sounded like Seth MacFarlane? We'd have two extra listeners. Uh huh. We well, just bring I imagine... in those people who want to listen to that. Sure. It it's hey, do you like Futurama and also Seth MacFarlane's voice? instead of just hey do you like back to the do you, you want to like hear Futurama? do you want to hear Seth MacFarlane's voice talking about how much he hates family guy I actually <laughs> you know what I bet that's not even far off you know you know how authors you or you know you know artists usually like man I wish I would have never written that cuz now it's the one thing that's associated with me forever he's also rich af and you know can basically do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Please do not sue us or buy us, Seth MacFarlane. We 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 love you or whatever you want us to be, and we are we are we we're tolerate fine. you. So we are at nineteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that includes our our intro banter. Uh, so what you're saying Patreon. is we should probably move through we the episode probably, at all. We should probably get past the credits. I mean, yeah. So yeah, the whole opening has a Las Vegas theme the only things i really noticed in this uh because i missed the seth mcfarland voice thing one of the casinos has an all-you-can-eat buffet that has the loosest bowels in town Ooh, which i did not care for uh they fly through a casino- it's a guarantee though uh, yeah, you I mean, go to the buffet you enjoy it you leave 
you do what you need to do. You come back to the buffet. You enjoy it. You leave. It's a cycle. So uh, they fly through a hotel called the Miragio, which is just a mirage. Very clever. Uh-huh. And, it's, also, and that's a portmanteau between the Mirage and the Bellagio, the real ones. And also there is a reference in the song sung by Seth MacFarlane, as I just found out, where he mentions Phobos and Deimos, which is the moons of Mars. And I just wanted to throw in the fact that Phobos and Deimos are definitely uh, slowly falling toward Mars and someday will crash into the planet. So if you're listening on Mars, just consider that. Prepare yourself. I just wanted to get that warning out there. I mean, it's good. It's a good PSA for those living on Mars and have access to our podcast. This specific one, I suppose. We finally get past the the credits. I was just about to force this or not. We finally get past the credits. Yay. We've gotten... We're doing the job that we've created for ourselves. We get this shot of the entire skyline of Mars Vegas, and Bender says some poetic words about it. But then Leo and Inez Wong blow up the whole dang thing with one of those old-timey, like, plunger explosive thingies. Uh, Detonators. Plunger explosive thingies. You know, a a good pet, a good P-E-T. Plunger explosive thing. Exactly. And then I believe Bender, I don't remember exactly what Bender yells out, but calls it like a hellhole or something. Oh, yeah. No, he flips on that pretty quick yeah it's a pretty standard bender um so they end up taking a what seems to be some kind of desert worm based train system Mm -hmm, like a big sandworm yeah to sand central station which is pretty good and the wongs are describing they're gonna go out to the desert and build a bigger better mars vegas however you missed a very important part sure did where as they're getting off of the sandworm express they uh it there's an announcement that says watch for the closing jaws and then goes boom boom just like bender does yeah. in that episode like it's not the sound of a chime it is somebody definitely going boom boom right it it is quite good and then this this sandworm like closes its mouth really suddenly it's very good you're right i just wanted to make sure we get that call back in there because i loved that joke in the in the original episode and it's good to have it come back it's kind of weird to have it come back, but I appreciate <laughs> yes, it. Yes, that is not the joke I figured would come back. Um, while the Wongs are overseeing some construction, uh, Frida Waterfall, leader of the Green Yorita Eco-Feminist Collective, protests them. Yes. They want to keep the red planet green. Which, first of all, keep the red planet green always makes me think of when I'm driving through eastern Oregon. Where there are all these signs that say, keep Oregon green, and you look around, and it's like, everything is yellow. (laughs) I'm not sure what you mean by this sign. (laughs) Sign, explain yourself. So it made me think of that. But also, I mean, right off the bat, we get into sort of my least favorite thing about this whole movie, which is the Green Eureka feminist thingy Mm -hmm. collective. You, You know what I mean. Yeah. It's a big, long name that I've already forgotten. Yeah. Because it is, it is taking a a trope like it's. This is the prime example of when I say that one of my few complaints with Futurama as a whole is that they kind of hop on a specific joke and then they just take that as far as they can and push it to right. You know, and it seems to always be about you know the uh, when it's the professor, it's ageism, and when it's 
uh, when, when it's about women, it's like there's extreme sexism, right? And yeah. now they've they've sort of done it with this like feminist uh, thing where it's like everything is like she calls her her necklace uh, her feminine necklace, yeah, and she calls her bullhorn like a a mega she or something. Um, yeah, something like that. It's it is it is very like just a sketch like not a full character just like this is a receptacle for jokes to be made against yeah it's like a it's gross it's, it's like, a, like it. a portlandia sketch yeah in that i really see where shallow. they're going with it but it's very like shallow and then it also just goes on for way too long yeah i agree and i and i think that futurama from time to time does that i think here it's I agree. It's the prime example. It's real bad. Mm-hmm. Also, I've added Portlandia to the list of things that are going to be mad at us someday when they listen to this. Well, Family Guy. Uh, Matt Groening was on an episode of uh, Portlandia. It's true. So, and I mean, I to be fair, I I like a fair amount of Portlandia. But you're right. It like it with most sketch shows, they take a premise they've sketched out a little bit and then they do it and then it goes on for too long because it's probably improvised you know Mm -hmm. we actually probably do the similar thing where things are poorly thought out okay one okay i'm I'm thinking of my opening (laughs) bits poorly thought out Uh uh-huh go too long Uh and our sketches Mm -hmm. yeah those are my opening bits i could be writing for portlandia try to have a point and then miss it entirely by going too far off in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. i mean i miss points without going off in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. so you know I'm already there. See, I could be a writer for one of these sketch shows. Well, damn. Welcome to the most Futurama-centric Portlandia bit you've ever <laughs> listened to. Um, we say recording in my apartment in Portland, Oregon. Oh, oh man, this is this is such a good episode this week. This is this is where it all comes crumbling down because we just <laughs> realize that we are a Portlandia bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think you I think we might need like a moment of silence to realize what we've just we've done. Just let me drink my mm-hmm. not LaCroix brand flavored seltzer water for a moment here. In the arms of an angel. <laughs> Anyways, that is my complaint <laughs> with this movie. We get a little taste of it here. It gets worse yes. in later segments, but I honestly don't remember how this this movie goes at all. Totally. I just almost fresh eyes. It feels like Leo gets really mad at the uh, the green Uritas and he takes out another plunger explosive thingy. A, a good pet. It's their official name now. <laughs> it's going to be weird if they come back up in like episode four. And. He pushes it down on the the plunger and it explodes out from under the green Uritas. And Fry has a good laugh. They all have a good laugh. Yeah, there's a lot of laughing about this horrible thing that they have done. And Frida falls on Fry and her feminine necklace Mm -hmm. gets jammed into his head and like makes contact with his brain. Yeah, yeah. Like it gets really jammed in there. It it went through, through the skull. It sure did. All the way through there. Zoidberg immediately declares Fry dead, and then Fry starts moving, and F- Zoidberg's like, oh, no, wait, not dead, th- the other one. Mm-hmm. He had two choices. <laughs> and he chose poorly. 
He chose poorly. <laughs> the Zoeberg story. He got it down to the 50-50. Should have used a phone a friend. <laughs> Megan, you know. I was hoping you'd make the who, who wants to be a millionaire reference. Megan, who wants to be a millionaire references in 2018. Well, you know, the while mo- the trend is fresh. The most topical joke ever. Leela gets really upset because she wants to make sure that while they are building this new Mars Vegas, right. that they take into account the environment. She wants to, she's like, surely you've you've had some scientists look at you know the the native species and making sure you're not harming them, right? And yes, he has. Uh, he has handed the professor a large stack of money to say, yes, this is fine. Go for it. Leela, though, sees that there's a little puddle and there's precious life called, like the desert muck leech, which definitely attaches to her neck. And also, I mean, we jumped over it, but uh, also like Leo Wong is literally gassing bald eagles out of a tree. So Yes, that is fair. Yeah, no. It's he's not subtle. Yeah, it's not subtle and it's it's I will say it's almost it's it's just as ham fisted as the other side of it. Like the the green Uritas no, and then it's w- true. The they it's, definitely caricature both uh, both of the the sides pretty harshly. Right. You're not wrong about that. But yeah, so Leela decides she's gonna save this muck leech, literally as Leo is pouring cement into this pond that turns out to be the only natural habitat for these things and in the process makes them almost extinct except mm. for this last one that Leela saves and then steps on when it tries to suck her blood and then looks like it dies but then bites her eyeball and then she flames it and is this kind of this back and forth where like a Portlandia sketch, it goes on a little too long. Right. Like, just have her kill the thing. Like, I get it, but like, we've got too much to do in this movie, right? We have things to do instead of just watching Leela try to kill this thing, think she's done it, have it attack her, and then t- try to kill it again. Like, we've got, we have to have better things to do here. We have four episodes of this. It can't just be this, right? Maybe they're just like, man, we've written three other movies. We're trying to stretch these out. Just going like, to coast. Uh-huh. Uh, Leo bribes Fry so he doesn't sue him for nearly dying um, with a entry to the poker tournament. And then ends up bribing everyone else with rooms and, and, and other things. But not Celine Dion tickets. Right. Because he initially offers the Celine Dion tickets. And then they're all like, take the Celine Dion tickets off the table. And that's a yes. I love that that's the negotiation that happened. Celine Dion gets a little shade thrown at her in this episode. A good amount, yeah. I'm not I'm not entirely sh- like I'm not a huge Celine Dion fan. I'm sure. not I wouldn't even say that I'm a fan. Like I I'd can pro- appreciate she's got some some pipes. Sure. But like free tickets though. Uh-huh. Free tickets that if you didn't want to go see, you could literally just toss in the garbage can. Or sell them to somebody that wanted to. But I think the implication is that no one is taking these tickets. I mean, it, skipping ahead a little bit, but there is a big banner for this poker tournament that specifically points out, losers must attend a Celine Dion show. Okay, fair enough. So if you lose the poker tournament, you are forced to go to this right. show. It's not- and I'm like, all right, you're... Dragon, Dragon Celine Dion, a okay. little hard here. It seems a bit rough. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, the new Mars Vegas is now finished, and everyone is at slots. Uh, Fry starts reacting to things that people haven't said, um, including at like reacting like everybody is is talking at once, and then Amy kind of tells him uh, half and thinks it half to, for him to go take a walk, mm-hmm. get some air. I do also want to point out the uh, name of the different slot machines they're all sitting at. Okay. Mostly, I I like this one the best, and this is why I paused it to write them all down. But there's okay. Wheel of Fortran. Ooh, I like that. Very good. That's very right? good. And then there's also Quarter Pounder. Okay. Pull My Finger. <laughs> Coins Be Gone. Ha. Granny's Last Nickel. And then something the professor is sitting at that I couldn't quite make out. It looks like Party Something. Hey, I'd, I'd sit at Party Something. Okay. I'm going to send you an invite on facebook to my event party something oh i i mean I, what i'm saying is that i'd sit at a slot machine that says party something that being said party something would not be a bad bad name for a party zoidberg goes bankrupt by the way oh immediately he has a system and he puts in his his one quarter or nickel or whatever it is he pulls it and he's done so out on the street uh fry seems to be reading minds and there is a guy wearing a tinfoil hat he calls himself Hutch. Hutch tells Fry that he's a mind reader. Oh, that Fry's a mind reader. Mm-hmm. Fry's like, what? Oh, no, actually, though, it was sort of obvious. Yeah, that's a good job for Fry. Hutch puts a, a tinfoil hat on, on him so he doesn't have to... And it actually works to stop the voices. Yeah. So, it, well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hutch can't read Fry's thoughts, but Fry can read Hutch's thoughts. I don't know if that's important or not, but we'll see. I honestly cannot remember if it's important. It seems kind of important. Hutch is like, well, no, I'm, I'm going to prove you can read my my thoughts. And Fry's like, no, I actually believe this. <laughs> and But Hutch makes him do it anyways. Sure. And so it is revealed that Fry can read Hutch's thoughts, but Hutch can't read Fry's thoughts, which he expects to be able to. Right. Because Hutch is also a mind reader. And Fry also gets something about a secret society, but... Hutch is like, don't worry about that. It's fine. Also, don't tell anyone that you can read thoughts because the dark ones will incinerate you if they find out. That's a pretty good uh, reason to not. We cut to Gearotica. Uh, it, it seems like a Cirque du Soleil burlesque show. It's kind of... Um... Although I guess a little Cirque bit more. Cirque du Soleil, I think, gives it a little bit of a uh, wrong impression. It's literally just a ro- a bunch of robots that come down on on like poles that they are attached to and then gyrate around a little bit. That's fair. I don't know where you're getting this Cirque du Soleil. It just seemed like they were like coming down from the the ceiling and doing weird, interesting things, and that that's kind of where I got Cirque du Soleil. But but you're right. There is a lot of gyration. Bender like sits between a couple that's on their honeymoon and basically ruins it. Then uh, there is a robot in the show named Fanny, and Rob uh, Bender is very interested in Fanny. She has a literal fan on her butt mm-hmm. that blows away the fog that is set up by this story about how in twenty like twenty eight. Something 28 something in New Orleans. In New Orleans, it's still foggy despite the fact that the fog monster has been vanquished. And sure, I mean, it lasts for a while. 
I'm, again, sort of like soup prohibition. I kind of want to know the story <laughs> about the New Orleans fog monster. I feel like it would have been a pretty good story to, to de- dive a little deeper in. I agree with you on this. Uh, my next note is Bender gets a robo-erection. He he does. I'm not it, proud to say those words. Did you ever think you were going to say these words until you said them just now? Well, I when I took the note. Well, I mean, before you took the note. No. I never imagined I would be saying the words Bender gets a robo erection. And I've said them twice. You've so we're going to move on. <laughs> Bender visits Fanny after the show uh, with a, a bouquet of roses and says, let's do it. Like, pre- yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> not in so many words, but also mostly in so many words. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out it's Don, the Donbot's wife. And he confronts him, but has to go to the bathroom because robot. Because robots only need to go to the bathroom when it's convenient to the plot. Yes. Fanny and Bender start making out, and uh, Donbot asks uh, Bender to drive Fanny home. It's one of those fancy self-driving robots, so just sit in the back and do whatever. <laughs> it's it's incredible. I I know it is a bit over the top, but I love the whole like Donbot just not even being remotely suspicious about like anything yeah he he is he does this a decent amount when he's on screen he's very he's very trusting extremely so which you wouldn't think for the don to do it's weird oh well it seems to work for him also fanny points out that kissing bender is like kissing an ashtray full of hot wings not something i'd prefer to do but she seems to love it she's into it i'll take the hot wings I will also take the hot not wings. Not when I'm making out with somebody. I'd rather just eat the hot wings mm-hmm. and then not have hot wings be a part of the making out process. That's fair. I can't think of a food that I want to make out through. <laughs> I had to figure out the right one to use there. The right preposition yeah. to... I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'd want to make out through gr- grilled cheese. No. No, definitely not. Definitely not a burger. No, 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 no pasta i mean they kind of did with the spaghetti i mean you've got the lady and the tramp thing exactly like that's classic you know you share that that pasta noodle mm-hmm. you meet at the end super romantic it's true that's that's what romance is that is literally what romance is meeting at w- the end of a pasta but noodle. you wouldn't want to do it with like a a, a ziti or a rotini no it's got to be it's got to be a long pasta a long pasta you know a linguine or uh you know maybe an egg noodle mm-hmm. probably do it with a long egg noodle for those listening at home i literally have a poster of pastas that i <laughs> hang up in my kitchen because i love pasta a whole lot so i'm gonna move on because talking about pasta is making me hungry and that's not for a while yet but because we have a lot more to do in this episode out on the street, Fry takes the hat off and he can read everyone's minds around him. And he's like, man, there's got to be something good I can do with this new superpower I have. Uh, he goes to the women's locker room and walks in telling them all that he can read minds. He is immediately beaten up. He realizes invisibility is what he thought he had. It's Fry, uh-huh. <laughs> my man, you were just so smart. It's it's that elastic intelligence it's, again. Oh he, oh my goodness. Because and he, I mean, jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, he's doing pretty well in the poker tournament later. Mm-hmm. Like 
which I know part of that is he can read people's minds. Sure. But you still have to know the rules of poker. Sure. That's true. You can't just go in and be like, and read someone's mind and be like, oh, I've got a a jack and king suited. Like, that means nothing if you don't know how to play Texas Hold'em. That's fair. I think, was he part of the poker game when Leela's old co-workers came? Yes, but he wasn't doing very well. Granted, Bender had x-ray specs. Right. So he knows some of the mechanics of poker, not well enough to play well. But that was but five card. That's draw, true. So that is fair. That's a different, different type poker. of poker. Some of the same things I imagine can are somewhat transferable. You know, you've got the same kind of. I, I think we're going too much into this detail, but like a Portlandia sketch, it goes on <laughs> a little too long. You know, the more the more times you you bring this up, the more it's just going to hurt me because you're you're absolutely right. He does see that there is a poker tournament and thinks that it, with his mind reading powers he can't lose, uh, but he needs fifty thousand smackers to enter. He only has his life savings and the chip to enter this poker tournament. The clerk takes both. Uh huh. Because again, in this moment, he is really really dumb. Well, he has the the tinfoil hat on. Yeah, but he's also just really dumb. That's fair. Because he acknowledges he's not like he's not like, oh hey, I've got this money and this random shiny bit. Shiny bit. He's like, I've got this money and this token that gives me free admittance to the thing that I'm paying you this money for. That's fair. He's uh that elastic intelligence is strong with this this episode. I also do like the fact that when he's signing up for the tournament, uh it does point out that um the attendant is not required to wear pants. There you go. That's the kind of job that I want. I, I, I don't want to dress for the job I want because I feel like that's problematic. I want to dress for the job that I don't want. No, I want to dress for the <laughs> job that I... I want to dress like I don't have a job. Okay. Oh, wait. I'm try, I was trying to figure out a clever way to... Just, you well, know, no pants. No pants. Just That's it. Yeah, no pants. <laughs> Everything else, just no pants. Pants suck. Pants do suck. I agree. Later that evening at Elzar's at the Wong, Bender is making out with Fanny literally on the table. <laughs> literally <laughs> at the on the table. Um, everybody, uh, Amy's like, are you crazy? That's that's the, the Don Bot's wife. And Bender's like, I'm not the crazy one here. Fry is. I spe- he specifically is like, no, it's Fry who's crazy in this one. <laughs> just that tiny little bit of fourth wall break where he's like oh no 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 in this episode it, fry is the crazy one yeah uh so guess who shows up it's the dawn bot funny how that works uh fanny th- this is this is just amazing because fanny has like stuffed bender into her chassis uh-huh and then he she's like oh of course i'm alone but you you came in on us and and Donbot's like us, and then Bender rockets out of her and says, "Whoa! I was just in a different wormhole universe, light years away from here." <laughs> and Donbot's like, "Hey, Bender, welcome back to our universe." <laughs> Donbot, I love the du- like. It's weird to me because like I will rally against so many other things in this episode where I'm like. Man, they just go way over the top with it too much. Yeah. And then the Donbot shows up and I'm like, he's really trusting. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. Why I, I 
appreciate the Donbot way more than like anything else in this episode. Maybe it's because the Donbot's funny. <laughs> anyway, the Donbot initially buys it, but Bender kind of hams it up as he is wont to do. And when when Bender leaves, the, the Donbot narrows his gaze. I do also like how Bender changes his his self-description as the world's most sexual robot to be like, I mean, the world's most boundary-respecting robot. Oh, boy. But yeah, he's he's not good at hiding no, this affair. No, absolutely not. He's like one step away from just robo-humping the Donbot's wife right there in front of him. Like, so close. And then being like, no, I just kid. I respect boundaries. It's just, oh, bo- oh boy. On the casino floor later, uh, Bender and Fanny are talking, and Fanny wants to run away with uh, 50000 that they can make on the turquoise-encrusted bra she's wearing. But Bender says they can't do that with that money until he wins the tournament. The same tournament that Fry entered. He enters specifying that he is 40% lucky. He describes a, a story about being made partially of lucky horses horseshoes that were that ended up going to the horse factory mm-hmm. and the glue later on uh in like the i think it's the very next scene the very next moment yeah fanny uh sneaks out and gives bender the don bots lucky robots foot and then bender says with two kinds of luck i can't lose um, and then it also turns out that it's three because he stepped on a leprechaun. I just want to point out that according to D&D rules, luck bonuses don't stack. You only get the highest luck bonus. Well, that that supposes that they're playing D&D at this poker tournament instead of another rule set. No. There could be some stackable rules out there. In luck doesn't luck doesn't stack in at all in any luck doesn't stack. Sorry, you only get the highest luck bonus. Um, no, I mean, you're right. I just... <laughs> I know I torpedoed your joke. I just I just always think of different types of bonuses and how they don't stack. Um, anyways. Okay. Clamps and Joey Mousepad see this, where his luck does not stack, and report back to the Donbot. And Donbot's n- I, is not quite sure if... if they saw they're interpreting it the right way but if uh also the lucky robot's foot is literally the don literally foot. the don bot's foot but he has no reason to suspect fanny was uh, had anything to do with it except for maybe the hacksaw under her pillow but you know maybe the yeah. hacksaw. <laughs> um but <laughs> they decide on a foolproof plan if bender wins the tournament he has the foot and therefore he gets the clamps or some clamp-like device. I, I like that clamp said, or some... Uh-huh. Like, he's always about the clamps. I also like that this whole plan is like, okay, if Bender wins, obviously it means that he's lucky, and therefore that is the evidence I need to say that my wife chopped off my foot with a hacksaw. Yeah. Hacked off my foot with a hacksaw, I guess would be more... Chopping is more of an axe thing. Yeah. Hacked off my hack hacked off my foot with a hacksaw. Yeah. Gave it to her boyfriend on the side to win a poker tournament. And also I don't have a foot. And also there was a hacksaw underneath her pillow. There it's a like a Rube Goldberg amount of logic. Just like everything has to chain exactly right. It's like just look at the clues in front of you. Mr. Donbot, he gave you all the clues. Donbot only needs one clue. 
It's just not the clue that he's been given yet. <laughs> That's fair. So we go to the poker tournament where Pendulette and Dead Teller welcomed us to it. Yeah, with the real voice of Pendulette. And the real death of Teller, apparently. I don't know what I've... No. Teller is still alive. He is just dead in the episode. Yes. But he doesn't speak regardless, so, you know, who knows. Fry warns Bender to leave because he points out that he is just going to bankrupt Bender. There's no way that Bender can win, and Bender does not believe it. Fry tells him to bite his shiny metal hat. <laughs> it's... A good line. It is. It it's, is a very good one. It's usually for Fry. He's not quick for those puns, but this one worked real well. Um, they are up against some other poker players, such as Tex Connecticut, Smiley Smith, who is a robot. Mm-hmm. With no discernible features, just smooth. Boobs Vanderbilt, who is a yep. boobular lady. Yep. Um, and then there's Bender and Fry, and then Lur is also there. And that's it. That's the tournament. That's the tournament. Only six people at this tournament. Uh, right off the bat, Bender gets a pair of aces, and Fry gets a pair of kings. And Fry decides to fold on a pair of kings. Because he can hear Bender going like, whoa, two aces. I'm so lucky. And Penn is even like, it's almost like he knew Bender had two aces. And he's so close to the action that everyone's like, <laughs> Bender has two aces, I fold. And then we get it's a... It's a very bad placement. It's a of, very bad of, placement. It, you shouldn't be able to impact the, the, the poker when you're a commentator <laughs> that close. We get a little bit of a Texas Hold'em montage uh-huh. where the only note that I really have... Uh, well, I have, I have two notes. Okay. The first is that Bender wins a literal baby. Yes. Because Which I didn't know was possible in a tournament setting, but you know. Well, now you know. Knowing is half the battle. It's true. And then it's good. It'll replace his son that he sold to the, the robot devil a couple of movies ago. Yeah. That's a good callback, Ben. And then, uh, see, I'm all about those callbacks. Boom, boom. All about the callbacks. And then... No uh, new content. <laughs> Fry. This is a, welcome to the clip show. <laughs> Welcome to the clip show. We got lots of clips. We've got things you've seen. <laughs> we got things that you've seen before, so you better deal with it. It's a clip show. Baby, it's a clip show. <laughs> Sorry to literally everyone who just had to listen to that. You know, every week we're like, we're going to do it better this time. And every week we prove ourselves wrong. I mean, well, eventually we'll hit rock bottom, and then there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to doing that. This is why we need to get the Freiser episode done, because that will be <laughs> our rock bottom. that is rock bottom. <laughs> you want to talk about bits that go on too long. Here, an entire an episode. Hour. An entire episode where we talk about Fraser like it's an episode of Futurama. <laughs> that is welcome to rock bottom, my friend. Uh, I am. Yeah. You know what? That's a good... Toward the end, Bender is about to be taken out of the tournament, but then two of the big like slabs that are like decorative poker cards Mm -hmm. fall down and kill both Tex and Boobs. Yeah, because I some I think Smiley and Lur had been Mm -hmm. eliminated. Right, and Fry gave Lur a hug because he He read his mind and knew he needed it. So he really enjoyed it. That's that would be the best part about 
reading people's minds is that you know when they just need a hug. Right, yeah. Instead of my current state of, yeah, you probably do. I'll come. Here I come. But, like, you got to make sure, like, it's a it's a welcome hug. Right. But, like, you know, if you could just be like, see, I don't necessarily want to read people's mind. I just want the power to know. When there's a hug needed. When a hug is needed and desired from me specifically. So it's like like they get a glow about them. Right. What is like the an, most hug color glow? So you like a spidey sense kind of thing. Purple. Okay. They yeah, they'd have fair. a purple aura around them. And that indicates to you that they this need person needs and wants and desires a hug. From me specifically. From Ben specifically. They need a hug and were I to give them that hug, it would be welcomed. That is that's my superpower. It should be my superpower. What would you, if you had the superpower? What would your 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 uh, your superhero name be? Just Ben. Oh, just Ben. I'd just be Ben. Oh, you j- j- regular Ben. Regular Ben. Because the thing is, if I if if you wouldn't be Hug Man or something. Like if if you in that moment need a hug from just anybody, and then like I come out of the blue, I'm just like. Boom, here's a hug. I'm like, Hugman. That makes your day. If I go around like it's my job, it kind of takes sort of that sentimentality out of it. Sure. That being said, hugging seems like a pretty good job. Also, now I'm I can't think of anything <laughs> else but the snuggler, the Tim yeah. and Eric uh mm-hmm. Yep. I've done this to me. Yep, yeah, that was all you. Um He'll snuggle you back to health. So yeah, these these slabs come down and like kill two of the four remaining mm-hmm. players, which means that it's Bender and Fry going head to head. And also, there's a shot where a rat eats Teller's eye, which I didn't really care for. It was kind of gross. I mean, you know they they make jokes about Teller decomposing and fine. Yeah, but I mean, it was it was a bit much. It was a bit much, and it you know it's not the kind of humor I usually go for. In the very last round, Bender gets dealt his two cards, mm-hmm. and then he thinks about it for a little bit, and then he goes all in without, without even looking at his hand. Not once. Fry is staring him down, trying to to hear anything from his mind. Nothing, because he hasn't looked at the cards. He He's even like, Bender, you're going to go all in and not even look at your cards? And Bender says... Nah, strategizing is for people who aren't lucky. There you go. So Fry calls him. And so, yeah, Fry goes all in and Fry loses because he couldn't read Bender's mind and uh, Bender takes it all. Well, it looks like he won because it ended up he had a pair of aces Mm -hmm. and there were two on the board. So he had four aces. However, Bender flipped over. He had two kings Mm -hmm. and there were three kings on the table, meaning five kings. Now, that's the wrong amount of kings. It is, absolutely. Um, It turns out a coaster from the bar had been shuffled into the deck, and that that coaster said, King of Beers, and that apparently counts. Yep. See, that's true luck. Literally, I can't think of a luckier thing to have happened. Two of your opponents being accidentally killed, and then a King of Beers coaster counting as a legitimate poker card. There you go. And not like, oh, that's wrong. It totally. Hey, let's let's redo that round because that is wrong. <laughs> hey, hey, who shuffled this? You're fired. Come on, don't put coasters in here. You do, you you doof. 
It's probably Jeremy. I don't want to keep going back to that well, but it was probably <laughs> Jeremy. I don't want to do this, but it, here's but I'm what go, I'm going to do. totally going to. <laughs> I mean, I, I said it last time. A podcast about that specific scene in the movie Ghost is probably the podcast I should be doing instead <laughs> yeah. of this one. It could be a third podcast along with any album you like. I mean, I would probably do that. So I'm moving on before I (laughs) contemplate this too much longer. So yeah, Bender gets this big old stack of cash. Yep. And then he and Fanny leave. And as he's doing it, he tosses the Donbot's foot back and it literally hits him in the face. (laughs) He he becomes more suspicious. I mean, he specifically says, now I am suspicious. Yeah. It's like, huh. Mm -hmm. Um, this cuts to Binder and Fanny in the desert digging shallow graves in front of the robot mafia and then the robot mafia don't let them leave and just shower them in uh, machine gun bullets and they leave them buried in the desert and that is the end of the episode and that means that it is time for Graves yeah this is a weird one (laughs) You can say that. I, uh, knowing that it's the first of four, mm-hmm. I have literally no idea how any of this is going to ever. I, I don't know what the plot is. It's just we had a good time in Mars Vegas and now Bender's dead. Is it a deserved one? Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's, you know, it's, it's not bad. It's funny ish. There are some, you know, the, the, the green Yoritas or mm-hmm. the eco feminists or what have you are kind mm-hmm. of like, sketched really really roughly and kind of a, a punchline but so is the wongs so I, are we as we found out i mean aren't we always <laughs> the punchline ben it's not as good as some of the other parts of movies that we've seen i don't think i don't think it has anything it comes close to any of the benders game stuff and it's from what i i don't i honestly do not remember what happens in the rest of this movie um but it it's it's kind of enjoyable. I, I I have a hard time thinking of anything else to say about it. Sure. So I guess like it's it's it wasn't a waste of my time, <laughs> but it wasn't something I'm going to go seek out again. So let's go C plus, I guess. Okay. So I think this is actually probably the strongest of the first parts for each of the movies. Okay. Because I feel like we've we got a, a sort of a little bit of a a little bit of a, a conflict and then resolution in the poker tournament sure so you know and it's not the biggest thing but you know unlike some of the other first parts of movies where it's just like building and building and building and building and you don't even see where it finishes building yet sure you do get a little bit of that with with you do get a little bit of a resolution in in that poker tournament and that is fair it's still dropping a lot of stuff you know bender uh uh being dead maybe uh fry having this ability to read minds like it's still going places we can't anticipate yet right but overall i i think it was probably the strongest of the opening episodes and um mostly enjoyable um i mean i i love the donbot like I said, sure. the, the poker tournament was kind of fun to watch. You know, I think they're overall pretty good jokes. Um, I'm going to give it a B. Okay. Um, it, it keeps me interested into what's coming next. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention, there are like all sorts of good jokes in the background, which 
Uh, some of the the last couple of movies hadn't been really doing as well. That's fair. Where yeah. it's like uh, Wheel of Fortran as a slot machine and that kind sure. of stuff. Um, and so yeah, I'm gonna say a B. Okay. Um, fair enough. We'll see. Because yeah, I don't remember where I remember where the movie ends, but I don't remember how we get there. So we will. We're gonna find out together, friend. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And we'll find out with you. And we want to know what you have to say. Yeah, if you want to talk about this episode or uh, the fact that we accidentally are a Portlandia sketch. Mm -hmm. What you would do in Vegas. Yeah, tell us us your Vegas plans. Um, Uh, Anything else that we've already forgotten about this episode. Yeah, I don't don't even remember what we said at this point. We went on some tangents. Uh, If you want to talk to us about any of that or anything about Futurama, just... uh, Drop us a line. You can email us at backtothefuturamapodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at backtofuturama. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash backtofuturama. And we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So find us there, review us, rate us, subscribe, send to your friends. And hey, let's all go put $50 on black at roulette and then walk out immediately. Don't forget that we are on Patreon. Mm -hmm. So if you want to support this podcast that we do, this uh, accidental portlandia sketch that we call a podcast <laughs> you can do that as well patreon.com slash back to futurama we've got a bunch of tiers that mm-hmm. um five dollars gets you a live episode once a month three dollars we tend to post little little bits i did we recorded a whole intro bit about that song oh yeah uh from the you probably know it from ferris bueller's day off three dollars gets you that bad boy so <laughs> it's it's a good one. Is it worth it? Who knows? You tell it's, us. It's up to you. And if you can't support us or just don't want to, or, sure. you know, um, we also understand that and we just appreciate you yeah. listening. So, yeah, thank you for coming on this magical journey we've taken you with. Thank you. We, we truly mean that. And until next week, when we are talking about Into the Wild Green Yonder Part Two, find out what goes on with everything any, that any we just of watched. This, yeah. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye from the world of tomorrow. tomorrow.